Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Bruce Arians, there it is. Upper left back, Super Bowl 55. I would at least want mine in a spot where I can see it. He's never going to be able to see it. Right. Where'd you want him to get it? Like right next to my wristwatch. I'd want the reminder that we won the Super Bowl. Then, wow. then no matter okay, what mood I'm in, I look down you. and I see that and I feel pretty good about it. The open invitation is there, Kirk Cousins. Super Bowl MVP. Come on, I get Kirk. The Kirk Cousins tattoo. Make him do it. Now, come on. Come on. I'm in, I'm in pretty, slightly. I don't know. No, it's not. No, no I'm I, slightly larger than that. Slightly larger than that. Not much, but slightly. All right, we can we can take that off the screen. Uh, no, There's I don't think. Let's, let's revisit it every Fools. five minutes or so. April let's, Fools. It's nice. Uh, don't make me take my shirt off to prove how incorrect that is. We, we do not want to lose our jobs that way. And Pete's actually trying to cajole me into doing it as if I would. Pete says it'd be worth losing his job over that. Well, you would, so you would find out. Your kids may disagree with that, Pete. But uh, anyway, well, wait. What do you? What do you weigh? You know, what? How how much do you weigh? One eighty-five. Okay, one eighty-five. You're what? Maybe six foot, six one. What are you? Yes, five eleven. I'm not gonna lie, five eleven. Oh, you are. You're not six foot. Okay, good, good. Just a little bit short there. Sorry, there, Slugger. Okay, but I admit it. I'm not gonna try to pump it up. I'm not. I'm not one of the guys where when you look at the program, it's gonna say six oh two ten. No, no. Or you're not. It's gonna say five eleven, one eighty-five. You're not like one of those guys like our like our workmate Rodney Harrison who occasionally will get on his tippy toes during a group picture or stuff like that, will you? You're not one of those guys, are you? He was busted. He was busted <laughs> he was, doing busted that. The Cristiano that. Ronaldo move. <laughs> yes. Uh, on his tiptoes yep. for the group photo. Yes, you have to always look low, and you will see the extension. Not exercising his calf muscles that day. That is uh, that is aimed at uh, artificially inflating the height. It's April Fool's Day edition of PFT Live. I, I got a couple of things to point out before we get to some of the pro days first of all not long after the show ends today i am on my way to get jab number two of the pfizer vaccine happy to have that done happy to have that in my system happy to begin to just feel normal have some people over to the house who have been vaccinated and and not be isolated like i've been for the last 14 months, although there's a good chance that the people who would be dealing with me are happy with the fact that I've been isolated. Correct, and I correct. say that because I, I I urge everyone, when you have the opportunity to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. This is not something to be stubborn about. You have an obligation to yourself, your family, and the people you interact with to do it. It's safe. When, when all of the living former presidents do a commercial except one that tells us to go get it, I, I think that's enough. I, I, I don't. I, and you, you can have a conspiracy theory about anything. We've all been vaccinated for something in our lives and we lived through it. Yeah. We were vaccinated when we were too young to say no. So this is something that is meant to address a horrible disease that has killed hundreds of thousands of people. When you get the chance to get it, get it, yeah. Chris. I, wait, over. did you have any reactions to the first one? Like, did you notice yourself feeling, you know, ill or just a little down or anything like that? 
I think right after I got the shot, I was like a little freaked out. Like, am I supposed to have a reaction? Like, what am I supposed to do? And I felt like a little weird then. But then after about 10 minutes, I was fine. And then I noticed, because I'm left-handed, I got the first jab in my right arm. The next day, if I would do this, it would sore. hurt. Yeah. But, but then it's like, how often do you do that? So right. just, it's like the, the, the doctor, you say to the doctor, hey, it hurts when I do this. Well, then don't do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I just right. quit putting my arm up in the air and I didn't notice Stop anything. Raising the roof. So, right. My, my wife got shot number two last week and she had zero, nothing, not even arm soreness. So, uh, and for the most part, uh, everyone I talk to, everyone I know who's had it, nobody said they've had any, any horrible side effects, which probably means it'll be me today and I'll be knocked out for the rest of the day and you'll see me tomorrow morning for PFT Live. I have one other, one other. Aunt question. Wendy's getting what her second shot today, too. Aunt Wendy's getting her well, second. So you're in good company. That's good to know. Yeah, that you guys I, are on the same I, the page. More, the more people get it, the more uh, the more quickly we get back to normal. I have another question for you. Yeah. Uh, have you checked your front porch lately? <laughs> yes, I have. I was gonna uh -huh. let, I was gonna let this go through the weekend. I didn't want to why <laughs> uh, because I didn't want to text you last night and tell you I've received the package and then have the pressure of having to try what was in that box. Stop forcing things upon me. Okay. Wait. wait. Okay. It wasn't addressed to you. The no. package was for your family. It, it did. Yes. It's I, not to you. I do think the box said Chris Sims. So either way, just so everybody the knows. The note inside said Happy Easter to the Sims family. It did. And one particular person in the Sims family where I was going to send you the text last night that was very thankful for it was Charlotte Sims. Charlotte munched down on them. She was like, I, <laughs> I, I don't know about this container, but this container is delicious. I love it. And she was, she was, she literally went, tell, tell Mike, I said, thanks. That was really, it's great. It, yeah. Tell Mike. So I'll try it this weekend, but Mike sent me the chocolate covered pretzels, dark chocolate ones and regular milk chocolate. So now you force me and I'll do it. I need video proof of you Thank eating you. a chocolate covered pretzel. I will. On Monday. Okay, good. Good. Ten four. You 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 may. I I understand that you may have to inhale certain. Uh, Might uh, have to work up a case substances. of the munchies. Yes, uh, but whatever the case may be, I I trust me, trust me, and I you're going to resist. See, you're you're now being stubborn. You're being contrary. You're yes. that four year old that was kicking mulch <laughs> into the pool. You don't want to try it because you don't want to admit. That you like it. Maybe. And maybe. you're going to like it. Yeah, I don't like the Mike, I, little Mikey has forced me I, into the corner here. That's what I don't like. I think <laughs> I think you tried one last night and you loved it and you're not going to say so. I think that's what. There's no way you didn't try one uh, last night. I swear Especially I if you saw how much your daughter liked them. I know. I, I thought about it. You know, when she opened it up and eating it, I was just about to eat dinner and it was a little late. So I swear I did not. I will give you my honest, real reaction in a video this weekend. I promise. All right. Well, until then, some honest, real reaction on the pro day workouts that happened on Wednesday. It's more important this year than any other year because, number one, no scouting combine where we got everybody together on an apples to apples basis. And number two, no private workouts where teams can get secret information that we're never privy to. What they're getting is what we're getting. What they're seeing is what we're seeing. And one of the guys we saw yesterday, Jamar Chase at the LSU Pro Day. Chris, 438 in the 40. And you've been on top of this idea that we just can't accept that right. as being as accurate as it would be in Indy. Right. But but still it's 438 right. for a guy that wasn't expected to crack 44. Whether it's 438 or 448, it's still pretty good. No, it is still really good. You're right. I'm just trying to let people know that those times you're going to see a lot more four threes this year than you would in normal years, definitely. But either way, I mean Jamar Chase. You know, it, first off, what you do is you watch the film to go, wait, what does he look like he runs like on film? And he looks like he runs 4-3-8 on film with the way he plays, with what he does with the ball in his hand. I mean, all of this is special. You know, his his L drill, his 5-10-5, I believe he went in like the three nines, if I'm correct, Pete. Like that right there. That's insane. Like, Three, you know, the guys that go in three nine in the three nines are usually like really small slot type receivers. This guy's, you know, six foot, over two hundred pounds. There's real explosive movements with this player, and that's why he'll be a top ten pick. It's just I would be shocked if he's not. He's just one of those guys that you know is special and has a special way in which he carries himself in a mature way on the football field. He was the best player in college football 
non-quarterback-wise last year as a true sophomore. Um, so really, the, the sky's the limit for this guy. The 41-inch standing vertical was right? amazing. Mm -hmm. I, it may have been more than 41 because it looked like he got above the top the top thing that you hit to, to flip it around to prove how high you can jump. I mean, that that was something, and uh, it just it proves that this is one of the top receivers in the draft. Here yeah. he is from yesterday talking about the possibility of going fifth overall to the Cincinnati Bengals and being reunited with his LSU quarterback, Joe Burrow. I have talked to the Bengals. Um, I don't know how many times I've talked to them, though. Um, but me and Joe, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind going back with Joe. Um, you know, if we go back together, we try and do nothing but get back on chemistry and have some more fun. I think I would have an advantage if I was to play with him only because we played a couple of years. Um, but we'll still have to get that groove back ahead, you know, feel for it again. It's, it's not just going to be there when we throw again. So we have to build that chemistry back up and work hard again. You have to wonder after that workout yesterday. Now, I, I would say the Bengals at five or the ceiling. I the Falcons with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, yeah, even if it is Julio so. Jones last year, I, 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 I could see them going quarterback because of the importance of the position and because Matt Ryan could be in his last year. I just think it would be too much to go with a receiver at four, which would Agreed. give the Bengals a, a hell of an option, chase at five or trade down to somebody who's desperate to come up and get a quarterback and uh, and go elsewhere at the receiver position. That's going to be a decision that they're going to have about 10 minutes to make, but surely they'll have a plan for what they're going to do depending upon what those first four picks may be. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you and your thought there with the Falcons. Uh, you know, Julio is there. Calvin Ridley has kind of, I mean, not kind of, he's established himself as a number one receiver in football. He's going to take that, you know, thrown over once Julio leaves probably after next year. The Bengals, that's where it starts. I mean, five and six. We could see wide receiver, wide receiver right off the board right there. And then, two, you know, both guys get reunited with their old college quarterbacks uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. The Bengals, uh, Bengals, of course, have some other needs on their team. Would they go, you know, the, the offensive line route? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, Jamar Chase is a really special football player, as is Devontae Smith. I mean, they're worthy of that top ten pick. But – I would think that's where it starts right there at number five. And that's the big reason I think the Dolphins got back up to number six because they probably had some of the same logic we were talking about. They're going, wait, if we're at six, we're going to get one of those two guys, you know, most likely with how this shakes out. And, and, and I would think their logic about Atlanta is similar to ours. We were asked about this yesterday on PFTPM, the possibility that the Dolphins would have Justin Fields available to them at six and would take him. And if that's what they would do, that's the ultimate gutsy Jedi mind trick all-in move to drop out of the third spot to 12, back up to the sixth spot, and just kind of bide your time and, and let Fields fall through the cracks to six and jump on him there. I, I doubt that they would do it. That would mean that they're, they they have real doubts about Tua that they're willing to act on. I agree with you. I mean, the Dolphins are in a great spot to get one of these great receivers, whether it's Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. The Bengals are in great position. And the Lions are in great position yeah. to get either either uh, Jamar Chase or the guy we're going to talk about in a second here, Kyle Pitts, the tight well, end out of Florida. Not that the right. Lions need him. Right. Lions don't need him. But uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, well, we see what the Patriots are trying to do with two tight ends. Could you imagine the Lions offense with both? TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts, the way Pitts performed yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, crazy. Uh, I don't. I mean, you know, it, it creates a lot of mismatches, those two tight end sets. But I, I'm with you in the fact that I think my first thought is, you know, you're going you're gonna to take two tight ends in the top ten of the draft, two out of three years. I, I, I don't look at it. But I look at Kyle Pitts and as, you know, again, mismatch nightmare, 244 pounds, runs 4-4-4, you know, as smooth as can be running routes, you know, has unbelievable ability to, you know, one of those guys, again, Mike, when he's covered, he's not covered. You could just throw it to him because he's so athletic as far as adjusting the ball. I mean, his 83-inch wingspan that he had yesterday, that's unreal to go along with it. So when you – that's where, you know, we talk about Chase, Devontae Smith, 5'6", to the Dolphins and, and Bengals there. You know, I think Kyle Pitts is probably in that conversation too, to think like, 
No, it's all three of those guys that are top 10 picks, difference makers for your football team. And I do think, you know, fit a positional need, you know, maybe more so for the Bengals and the Dolphins. They do have Gesicki, who's like that. Um, but but either way, th- this is a top 10 pick in Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase, and it's uh, going to be interesting to see where they both land. Most eye-popping numbers for a tight end since Vernon Davis, who ran a sub-4-4-40 in 2006 yeah. and was a top-10 pick of the 49ers and a great contributor at the NFL level for a long period of time. Here's Pitts running that 4-4-4, 83-inch wingspan, the largest of any receiver or tight end in the last 20 years, 83 inches. Makes it a lot easier to complete passes when the arms can fly out that wide. And he's not even... 21, Chris. He turns 21 in October. Now, tell me if that body says to you, tight end. He just looks like he looks like a really big receiver, and I wouldn't be surprised if we we see him in the slot a yeah. lot and maybe split out wide from time to time. That's what you're going to see him doing. The you know majority of stuff will be that. You know, the first thing is he'll get bigger. He's going to be able to put more just easy natural muscle onto that frame. There's no doubt. But, yes, I would think he gets used in that mold of Travis Kelsey where he's extended from the line of scrimmage a lot. Oh, we have him one-on-one out here with three receivers over here. Wait, oh, all right, the linebacker went out on him. Oh, it's man-to-man. Okay, well, that that linebacker, he can't cover, you know, Kyle Pitts. It's, It's like the old New England Gronkowski Aaron Hernandez thing where not only is it like a great you know, telltale sign when you have a tight end like Pitts and all of that. It's like we always talk about. He's a pretty good blocker to go along with it. So now you wait. Do we put in a nickel back because we're worried about them throwing the ball? Do we put in the other linebacker because, wait, he could go to the traditional tight end spot and they can run the ball on us? That's the great value of a guy like that, let alone he has, he has big-time talent. I mean, he does. He's got the type of talent to be up there in yards and reception leader and be, be one of the best in the game. Here's Pitts talking about one of the teams that could be taking him in the top five, the Atlanta Falcons. I did talk to him a couple of times, and I talked to him. I had a day, and they're saying and they have interest in me. And uh, after after today, we'll get back on another Zoom and try, you know, they'll try and learn more about myself. So uh, I feel like they're pretty interested, and in you know, it, it will be a, a dream come true to be even be top five or the first uh, non-quarterback to come out the board thing to remember about this year that makes it different from other years the zoom availability every team can talk to every prospect there's a limit to the number of times you can talk to each one but you can talk to all of them if you want to so it's not quite the same as who's taking a visit where who's getting a private workout where but this is a guy who yeah he's not going to be there when the 10th pick rolls around chris the question is who's going to jump on him and who's going to end up having a great weapon he said that no one has talked to him about playing receiver on a full-time basis. Look at that, 6'5", 245, runs a 4'4", 83 inches. I'd say the hell with tight end. I'm making this guy my number one receiver. Well, you know, there, there's little short area quick movements that I would say are not on par with a guy like Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. You know, as far as like explosiveness is concerned that way. But still, yeah, Mike, you're right. There's a lot of traits there. He's going to be used in that. The name of the game will be like what we talked about. He's going to be utilized like a Travis Kelsey, like a Darren Waller with the the, the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, yeah, you'll see some from the traditional set, but you're going to see plenty of him split out. And it doesn't really matter. You know, again, he's going to be one of those things where it's, oh, linebacker or safety's covered him. Well, he's faster and more athletic than them. Oh, wait, they put a corner on him? Well, he's bigger than them. They, he'll box them out. He'll use his body to shield them. So uh, it's plenty of receiver will be in his future. That, that will be the value of him. But when you're that big and he's a willing blocker, he's going to be a pain in the butt, you know, as far as trying to figure out how to match up with him when he's on the football field. We talked about Chase, the number one receiver on Chris's board at the position. Two of the others in the top six worked out yesterday. Florida's Kadarius Toney yeah. and LSU's Terrace Marshall. What did you see from them that, that made you either feel good about 
why the sure. where you have them, or made you think maybe I got them too low, or maybe I got them too high. Well, no, I, I don't. I don't feel any different about where I got them ranked or anything like that. Kadarius Tony, I mean, is a is a weapon. He's a, a like a special athlete who needs polish as a wide receiver, but has too many just raw skills and explosiveness and speed to nitpick too much about always route running. Yeah, he's going to have to work on that, but he's going to be dangerous with or without the ball in his hand. The guy that like people are sleeping on a little bit is the guy you see at number six there, Terrace Marshall Jr. I mean, he is the one I think that he, he I was impressed with his pro day yesterday. One, listen, I, I think he's a first-round talent. He's a lot like Justin Jefferson was last year, maybe a hair faster. But I think the thing that jumped out to me about the pro day a little with him is there's a little. I didn't realize he was as thick and as put together as the way he is. That's what excites me there. So he's got really good quick feet. He's got the ability to be like tough and strong over the middle like Justin Jefferson was. And, and honestly, I think there's maybe a little bit more big play ability with uh, Terrace Marshall. I'm not sure he's the overall as good a wide receiver, but might have a little more straight line speed than Justin Jefferson did. And we know how special he was for your Vikings last year. Kyle Trask, Florida quarterback, not one of your top six, but uh, a guy whose name has been mentioned as sure. one of the top candidates this year. What were your thoughts on his performance, and and does it push him up the stack at all? I think it does because his film is underwhelming. He's a really big guy with a slow delivery, slow feet. You know, For as big as he is, he doesn't necessarily stand in there with the trash around him like you would like to. There's a lot of like, wait, why are you falling backwards? There's nobody around you type throws. you know. So on film, it's good, but it's not great. But the biggest issue I had was just going, no, man, this day and age, this quarterback right here with this long, you know, elongated release and kind of clunky feet and everything like that. This this is an outdated quarterback. But I do think he really helped himself yesterday as far as the pro day is concerned. One, he changed the way he looked. He lost a lot of weight, you know, which I first want to go, wait, you're a quarterback. How are we overweight to begin with? That to me is a warning sign. But he did look a lot better as far as just popping around and put, moving his feet and popping them underneath them and on the move, those type of things, to where it changed the look of the player a little bit. And even with the throwing motion, it was quicker. You know, So all of it was better, and I do think it's going to make teams feel a little bit better about him. I'm interested to see where he ends up, Mike, because I think he's one of those guys where there'll be a few people that really like him in the NFL, and maybe he is that part of that next group that goes off the board after the big six. But I think there's also a group of people in the NFL who are going to look at him and just go, no, these quarterbacks don't work anymore this day and the age in the NFL, and I, I don't I don't want to deal with it. So it'll be interesting. And the reality is the faster they come off at the top of the draft, the more likely the other guys go sooner than usual because even though teams say we're taking the best available player, their assessment of best available is always driven by their actual needs and if they fly off early there will be more who come off the board later let's take a break it was three years ago that the supreme court changed the landscape of gambling in the united states forever by opening the floodgates for legalized sports betting the supreme court now could change the landscape of the ncaa forever too we'll talk about whether or not the reckoning is coming for the ncaa when it comes to paying or not paying student athletes more pft live right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Yesterday, the U.S. Supreme Court took up oral arguments in an antitrust lawsuit filed by a group of former college football players led by former West Virginia running back Sean Alston, arguing that the NCAA in and of itself is an antitrust violation insofar as it creates limits on what can be offered to players and therefore there's no competition among schools to get the players to go there. You don't have any extras that you can offer for this guy, any extras you can offer for that person. It's all limited. It's all capped. The argument is that that eliminates competition. It violates the antitrust laws. That's the core of the argument, Chris. They were successful at the lower court, but not to the point where the lower court said that the players can be paid. It's other benefits over and above the standard room, board, tuition, fees, and snacks. There's more things you can offer that the NCAA says, no, that's what it's all about. And the oral arguments yesterday, there were a lot of questions, aggressive questioning of the NCAA, aggressive questioning of the plaintiffs, but reason to think that that the reckoning could be here because the argument is, and this is a weird argument, that the NCAA – believes that the consumers of college sports want the players to be amateurs. Sure. I don't think the consumers <laughs> of college sports give a crap how about convenient. that. I know I don't. Right. Yeah, I mean, how convenient of a thought that is. Oh, wait, they, they, the consumer wants them to be amateurs, so therefore we don't have to pay them. We don't want to pay them. I mean, of course, they don't want to pay. I mean, what a BS argument that is. That's all there is to that. I mean, that's stupid. I would, I would be watching, you know, the Final Four if it was the team that was, oh, they don't do anything and they don't pay their players, and if it was another team where they were handing out gold chains and five thousand dollars in cash every day, I'd go, well, I can't wait to watch this. One team's clean, the other one's paying money. This is going to be awesome. Let's see who wins. I mean, come on. That's that's bullcrap. That's a horrible argument. The NCA's argument and as a whole is BS to me. And, you know, the one thing I found intriguing about it, Mike, and I know you know more about this than I did, but I read a little bit about it. The, some of those, the questions uh, from some of the justices, I mean, I, I found those a little bit, you know, attention seeking for me as far as, oh, wow. Okay. There, I mean, you know, what, Clarence Thomas, I believe he asked something about it, right? There was another comment that, is, of course, jumped out to me to, that seemed like they were really questioning the NCA. And Clarence Thomas has a reputation for rarely, if ever, asking any questions during oral arguments. So when he speaks, it is very noteworthy. He said... Yeah, what did he say? When, when he questioned the NCAA, he asked whether that... that in the name of amateur sports, the NCAA also tries to limit the compensation for coaches, which is a hell of a question. A great question. Right? Great. Yeah, if it's all about amateurs and it's amateur, well, then they all should be amateurs. That's right. This should be a guy who, who you know, he, he sells insurance by day, and then on the weekends he coaches the college football team right. if you're an amateur. Right. Instead of – because, see, th- this is ultimately – why the NCAA is fighting is folks. They don't want to have to blow up their budgets and factor in a gigantic new line item consisting of paying the workforce. It's a lot easier to balance your budget sheet when you don't have to pay your workers. You're paying your coaches. You're paying your administrators. You're paying your president. You're paying for this, that, and the other thing. They all have these opulent facilities because they don't have to pay the players. It's easier to do that. It's easier to make ends meet when you don't have to pay the players. That's what this is all about. And they want to continue that model for as long as they can. And, Chris, I think they recognized 10 years ago the ox is going to get gored at some point. They're going to have to face their reckoning. And every year that goes by that they don't is gravy to them. At some point, that reckoning is coming. And they're just going to fight and fight and fight, spending on lawyers the money they don't have to spend on their players and hold it off as long as they can. I think that's what they're doing. And I hope at some point 
these players will get fair compensation for the billions that they generate. That's right. I mean, billions. And, you know, I know there's the people with arguments about, oh, you're getting free boarding and free school and all that. Yeah, okay, I get that. But a lot of these schools, they're not that expensive right now. You know, I see, like, I saw comments on, like, you, you, the bottom of the pro football talk just there where so many people are like, do first mistake. Well, I know. Do Reading people those. realize what it costs to go to college? Yes, we do realize. And it's not as expensive as some of these state schools that are awesome at football as you'd think. It's not. And it's not apples to apples to what some of these players are delivering, you know, for that school. So that's a, not a good argument. And in college football specifically, compared to the other sports, players sell in college football. You know, one, we have legit NFL stars who are playing for three years. They have to be there three years. So now you have those stars that are there. That's different than college basketball where it's one and done and or they don't even go to college or whatever else. They avoid it and go overseas, something like that. You know, that's different. So no, people can't latch on to that one and done. You can latch on to a three and done guy. And within college football, too, there's a real culture there of just college football. You don't necessarily need to be an NFL star to be a college star. You know, guys like Tim Tebow, his his jersey's going to sell forever down there in Florida, no, no matter what he did or didn't do in the NFL. And there's a lot of other college players that are just like that, where there's no NFL stardom, but they are associated with that school. They won a Heisman or national championships at that school, and that school is still selling their jersey number to this day, and there's nothing to be getting back or getting gotten back for the players. That makes no sense. Well, I, I've got two points to make based upon yeah. what you said. First okay. of all, anytime I hear that free education stuff, you have to understand it's not the retail value of the education. You know, colleges, and, and I'm sure I'm going to get plenty of very pleasant, reasonable, non-hostile emails today, but I firmly believe this. Colleges are like a jewelry store where they mark everything up. The Anybody who's playing Paying full yeah, price that's right. for college is a sucker right. because all you got to do is show up and they give you a scholarship. Hey, you have the showing up scholarship. What's your name? Oh, that's your name. You get the you told us your name scholarship. Right. Um, do, you know, uh, do, do, let's see. Uh, do you have a high school diploma? Oh, you get the high school diploma scholarship. So I it, it's 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 all inflated. So everyone feels like they're getting a deal. And the reality is, how much does it really cost to say we've got one more person who's going to attend class or as the case may be not attend class one more person we have to put in a dorm one more person we have to go feed at the communal food trough where they're buying food by the the truckload how expensive is that to let one more person go eat to let one more person sleep in a cot to let one more person have you know pretzels and peanuts at 10 o'clock at night so it's not an equal trade that's the problem and you're talking about the abilities of these individuals the sacrifices they put in for the time they devote to it and the risk they take of injury both short term and long term so that's one side of it where when somebody says they're getting a free education, I say, get the hell out of here with yeah, that argument. And right. here's the other reason I say, get the hell out of here with that argument. Most of these guys, and I'm focusing on college football players, they've been cream of the crop their whole life. Best of the best when they played youth football. Best of the best when they played middle school. Best of the best when they played high school. They're being recruited by a major college to go play there. In their mind, they're going to play in the NFL. They don't care about the numbers. They don't care about the percentages. They don't care about how few jobs are available because there's only 32 teams, not 150 college teams, but 32 NFL teams. They don't care about that. They've always risen to the top. I'm going to keep rising to the top. And I'd go to the NFL right now if I could. But I can't. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go to one of these colleges and I'm going to major in football. And Chris, the NFL and the NFL Players Association, and and that's part of the irony in this. Jeffrey Kessler, who's been the longtime outside counsel for the NFLPA, is the lawyer for this antitrust case pushing the argument against the NCAA. The NFLPA is complicit in this three-year rule that forces guys to go to college football. Right. 
You've the NFL and the union are part of the problem here, folks. And I, I'm only speaking the truth. They're part of the problem because they force guys to go provide free labor for three years, and then they pick the best of the best after those three years and bring them into the NFL. Yeah, I, I hear you. Now, I, you know, that, that, that's a deep conversation uh, because th- there is also, and, and, you know, I guess this would all work itself out. But, you know, again, it's rare that a freshman or something like that can. So make, what? I know. Somebody wants to use a draft right. pick on a freshman. Let them. That's right. Let them. That's where I'm. They're old I enough to go to. fight and die on foreign soil. They're old enough to go to the NFL. I, that's I, a that's a bullcrap argument. I, I'm not mad at you. No, I know. But people make that you. argument. Right. And the NFL makes that argument. Oh, no. these are these are underdeveloped I, bodies. And if a team wants to draft a guy, let them draft a that, guy. That's where I was gonna say it, it's gonna police itself. You don't need that rule, right? Teams will go wait. He's a freshman. He's immature. He's not physically mature. We're not. He's not ready yet. Okay. Now the bad thing about that is just would that would the NCAA now let that guy go back to school? That's that's the thing where that I think needs to get fixed a little too if you're going to do that because you know that that no w- they won't they won't they won't because they you you hey you made your choice you I made know. your choice so that's, future guys won't do that. I know that's stupid. That also needs to change to go to go along with it. Now, uh, last thing I wanted to ask you: What was the other justice? Was that Justice Kavanaugh who made a quote? You know that. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. He had he had a a, a fairly a fairly uh, powerful quote. He said he said uh, basically, aren't you exploiting these athletes? Aren't you using your argument to to not pay them as a way to just exploit college athletes? I mean, he he hit the nail on the head. Yeah. He gets it, and I understand he entered the Supreme Court under a, a you know significant controversy that captured the national attention for several weeks, but now he's got one of those seats, and he used his voice yesterday to ask questions that I think need to be asked. Yeah. It's about, it's about getting free labor. Don't we all want free labor if we can get it? Life's a hell of a lot easier if you have a workforce that you don't have to pay. But the question is, is it right? And then the question is, is it legal? And the, and the NCAA is going to find out. You know, usually what happens is, by June, that's when the term ends. There'll be a cycle every week. There'll be two or three opinions that pop out. There'll be a decision at some point by the time the term ends in June, mid to late June, and we'll know whether or not the NCAA can keep doing this or whether they're going to have to start making other benefits available or, more accurately, eliminating that rule that prevents the schools from really recruiting. It's going to be more than just Nick Saban showing up and sweet-talking someone. It's going to be, you got to come with something more Yeah, right. Than, than the standard undergraduate education to get my son to sign a letter of intent to go to your school. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it might come to that. You're right. You know, I don't know what they do. Maybe they figure out some sort of salary cap for these college colleges. Like, Hey, you can, you can only spend this much cash to buy players this year. And I trust violation. That's another antitrust violation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now again, the, the lower court, the federal appeals court focused only on education related benefits, like graduate tuition, other equipment and things that currently aren't allowed to be provided like musical instruments. If there's, a, a college athlete who's a music major and currently the NCAA says, well, you can't, you know, you can't give them the guitar or the saxophone or whatever. Well, now you, you may be able to, they haven't crossed the bridge yet of actual payments, but the whole idea is, and the only reason the NFL gets away with the salary cap is because it's a unionized workforce applying to multiple different businesses. If there, and this was the whole antitrust argument from 19, 19- 87 through 93 it was the argument they made in 2011 once you take the union out of the equation any effort to limit what one business is going to pay its employees an effort that is the result of collective action by multiple businesses is an antitrust violation and so uh it it potentially ends up being open season chris where whatever someone will pay is whatever they are able to negotiate uh, by way of a, a salary or whatever yeah. benefits. And that's the way, you know, let's say there's some, uh, some the next Tim Tebow. That, that's the way you can 
you know, you can uh, win the recruiting war, right. how much money you're going to show right. up with. And when you look at all the money that college football makes, the money's there. There would be huge disparities yeah. between the best players and the worst, but there is in the NFL. Yeah, no, you're right. There is. I mean, there, there's a really a, a part of me as you explain this. I, I'd love to see it. I really would. I think it'd be kind of fun. You know, you'd probably have some schools that go, no, wait, we, we really have a – you know, a top flight education here and we're not going to like Notre Dame. They, they might be one that doesn't bend their rules. Here they are. This is what we are. We're Notre Dame. Right. And then it's some other new age school who's paying players and doing all that. I think that could be fun for college football. I do. But please something. I mean, currently this. Hey, Chris, there's only there's only two or three teams that matter now. As there's it three. Is. It's there's not three. like it's going to get worse. You're, that's what I want. You're right. I mean, it's Ohio State, Alabama or Clemson. Like, hey, wait, this just in. One of those three teams is going to be in the national championship game next year. Maybe both. And one of them is going to win it. Like, okay, and who will that fourth be? Will it be Notre Dame? Will it be LSU? I don't know. But if those three are going to be there, you're right. So it, it, I don't know if it does change a whole lot. But either way, all these arguments people use to go against the players and everything, it, it's just not right. You know, I, I, I again, I know there's things that are positive there and all of that type of stuff, but – you know, there's too many players like we've talked about, even in my day, where, yeah, it's it's scrounging for money to make, you know, make meals work during the weekend and things like that. And that just should never be. It, uh, that should not. Like you said, these schools are making hundreds of millions, 60, 70 million a year on their football team. And here's the other thing that gets lost in this, too. You know, you talked about it a little you know, a lot of these guys, you know, you're going to college football and these major programs because you think you're an NFL football player. We always hear the stories about the guy who got hurt but got drafted still and was successful in the NFL. What we don't realize is how many guys there are that, oh, you know, he might have not been a star in the NFL, but he was going to make it to the NFL and he ruined his knee or he ruined his shoulder or he had a neck injury. And that's the other thing people forget about this, too. So now this guy or handful of guys from a four years of being in college, he's put everything on the line for that school and everything like that. He's got no money and he was going to be an NFL football player. But now he's got a career ending injury and he'll never capitalize on his talents and really what he was maybe put here on God's green earth to do the best, which is play football, he can't do that now, and nor does he have money. And that, that to me, pisses me off, too. Best example, Tyrone Prothrow. Remember that name? Yeah, I do remember that name. Alabama star receiver. Right. Played at Alabama, catastrophic leg injury, and uh, uh, never made it to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, and there, uh, you know, a few of those guys. I, I remember watching, I think it was Hard Knocks one year, uh, my wife and I were watching it when it was the Bengals, and there was a guy who tore an Achilles tendon. And this is a pro player. Tore the Achilles tendon. He's devastated, you know, crying, talking to his parents, talking to the coaching staff. And, 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 and my wife said to me, you know, college athletes get these same injuries, and they're not, they're not getting paid. It's like right. they, they're not getting paid, and they're subject to these same kinds of injuries that can be that devastating. And, and so I think for a lot of people at a visceral level, once you pierce through the free education bullcrap, um, they, they understand what's going on. And, and here's, here's, here's the bottom line. The people who are making more money than they should will make less. The administrators, the presidents, the coaches, that money is going to get redistributed. Well, and they don't want it to happen. Yes. That, and, yes. and the jobs are going to get more difficult for the people who have to balance this budget when you have to pay the players. Well, too bad. That's what you have to do. Professional teams do it, and these amateur teams shouldn't get away with it. Yeah, so. no, I, right, now, and you're Pete right. Tells and me the, out of the blue, and, we have to go to break. Okay. Come on, Pete, where were you five All minutes right. well, ago? Well, college coaches too. Just the last thing, they get paid at the major programs better than the NFL coaches. Yeah, the head coach might not make as much as the elite NFL coach, but the assistants, they they make really good. It's ridiculous. Money. Yes, ridiculous. I got I got the urgent. We, we must go to break. All right, we have to go to break. Let's go to break. More PFT Live right after this. Sean Taylor would have turned 38 today, killed in a home invasion 2007. <laughs> 
He tried to kill the spunner, I know that. Pro, pro Bowl, meaningless game, not for Sean Taylor. Brian Mormon. I, I've interviewed Brian Mormon about that hit. He said he should have gotten a deal with the shoe company because the shoes got great. They got great placement uh, as his feet were up over his head. What did he that think? Did he think he was not going to get hit because it was the Pro Bowl? I mean, he didn't want to get down something. I mean, that was amazing. That was an attempted trick play back in the Pro Bowl. Uh, because it's April Fool's Day, we're going to draft the all-time great NFL trick plays. Chris, I'll give you the first pick. All-time great trick plays inspired by April Fool's Day. All right. Well, I think the 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 best trick play, in in my opinion, in the history of football, the gutsiest best ever. It, it, I'm going to go with Sean Payton and the onside kick. Uh, to start the second half against the, in the Super Bowl against the Colts. That, to me, was just uh, an unbelievable moment in NFL history for me. You know, it was one of those games where you kept looking at it and go, man, this is a great game. This is close. The Colts look a little bit better than the Saints. You know, the Saints are going to have to do something to pull this off. And there it was to start the second second half. And then, like, I think what's crazy and it, as you're watching here, do you remember how long this melee went on where they scrambled for the football this whole time? I mean, it was like life or death. I'm telling you, this is five minutes later. They've been underneath the scrum, going at it, doing it all. Uh, I just remember the intensity of the moment to go along with it. But Sean Payton, I mean, wow, what a call. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the problems with the new onside kick formation, it's – it's. Uh, unlikely that we will see plays like that in the future my first pick Chris I didn't I can't believe you didn't pick this one what trick play actually resulted in a statue being erected outside of the team's home stadium it was the Philly special the conversation between Nick Foles and Doug Peterson when he walks over to the sideline they decide to do the Philly special that's the play from Super Bowl 52 even though it was in the first half it didn't decide the game or anything but it was one of those moments where it made you think Man, the Patriots may actually lose this game to the Philadelphia Eagles. Look, it put them up 10 points going into the break. We've seen this thing imitated and duplicated, and they stole it from someone else, but that's okay. That's what yeah. football's all about. And that statue was put outside the stadium, and both Nick Foles and Doug Peterson are long gone from Philadelphia. That's what makes it even crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, I mean, they did it against the Patriots. The Patriots had done a similar play earlier, and Brady dropped it, right? I mean, there's so many things there, let alone, yeah, we just don't see people do that to the Patriots. I mean, is it, a, it, 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 is, it is a Bud Light statue outside of the uh, – right? Isn't it something I like don't know. That? It's still a statue. Still a yeah. statue. Okay, all right. All right, I'll give it an official statue fine clarification there. I just wanted to make sure. All right. Um, I think I'm going to go with old Dan Marino as my next one. The fake spike – Okay, I was going to make this an all-Giants fake put, fake plays thing. Uh, I'll get to one of those in a minute. But Dan Marino fake spike, you know, back against the New York Jets, it says 1981 AFC Divisional. I don't think that's correct. This is early 90s. Um, no, yeah, yes. uh, Dan Marino was at Pitt in 1981. Yes, right, so right. that would be a typo. I think we're getting our trick plays mixed up. It was probably the <laughs> hook and ladder from the Dolphins. That Yes, but either way. This was one of those moments. I could still, there's Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. I could still remember watching this on TV and just going, wow. And I know a lot of people right now might go, well, what's the big deal? Nobody had ever done this at that point. That was the first time ever we saw a guy going clock, 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 and then wait. And all of a sudden he threw a touchdown. And the, nobody had done that. Now that's become commonplace with our NFL. It's literally you say clock and you make sure the guy's playing defense because we've taught the receiver to still run a route in case the guy falls asleep at the wheel. So we see that from time to time. But that was the first ever and uh, great trickeration by Danny Marino. That was the 94 regular season. It was a key game in the division in the chase for the AFC East Championship. And it's so common now that on Madden they have the spike play and, and the, the fake, fake spike, spike. That's right. Play. All right, uh, next one for me, the Randall L. touchdown pass. He's now the receiver's coach in Detroit. You mentioned the defensive coordinator in Detroit from our last clip, Antoine Randall L. throwing the touchdown pass. Of course, he was the Indiana quarterback to Heinz Ward, who would be the MVP of Super Bowl 40. 
uh, cementing the victory over the Seattle Seahawks. That's my second pick. What else you got? Yeah, that was big. I mean, they needed it too, right? I mean, that was a game where Big Ben was severely struggling, throwing the football and doing that. Uh, Bill Cower, I mean, that's a gutsy play call for him, uh, two talented guys. All right. Um, I, I got I got two Giants ones on my list. You know, there's that great 1990 NFC Championship fake punt to Gary Reasons, right, That up the middle against Joe Montana and the Niners. But I'm going to go with one that eh, hits a little closer to home. I'm going to the 1986 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 21, the Phil Simms flea flicker to Phil McConkie. I mean, Bill Parcells, like Bill Belichick, just great guts and big moments to call plays like this. But this play ended up with, yes, McConkie helicoptering down to the one-yard line. Uh, and, and this was really the start of the onslaught. And it already kind of had begun there. But now to where you go, oh, the Giants are going to blow the Broncos out. Certainly a special play to my family and uh, gives me chills to this day. Last one for me, not a trick play, but a trick game. When the Wildcat was unleashed oh. in 2008 by the 0-2 Dolphins I... against the Patriots, and Ronnie Brown running the Wildcat as the quarterback accounted for five touchdowns in a 38-13 win over the Patriots, and it ushered the whole Wildcat phenomenon, Chris, into the NFL for what, three or four years? Definitely. It was everyone had a package that was premised on the Wildcat. Yeah, I, and we we used it against the Patriots and the Broncos. Josh McDaniels knew the checks of the Wildcat, and we faked the Wildcat when we played them that year because we knew we could get them in the defense they that we wanted to get them in. All right, we got to take a break. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. You know, the next step on the NFL calendar is the offseason programs, Chris. They're going to open on the 19th of April. We still don't know if and when they're going to be on the field, but you, the, we've talked about this. NFLPA leadership, veteran players, they'd rather have no on-field work because they don't want to lose their jobs to young players. No, I know. It's 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 a real thing. And it just, uh, again, even for the off the veterans and these guys that, you know, maybe don't need it as much as a rookie or a second-year player, they still need it. They do. This is part of the conditioning process for getting ready for the NFL season. There is. So uh, I disagree with, yes, what the NFLPA and J.C. Treader are saying there. It's great for our young players. It's great for the veteran players, too, to get themselves and get ready for training camp to, to prepare themselves for a 17-game season. Coming later today, a new edition of Unbuttoned with Chris's Edge Draft Rankings, oh, yeah. PFTPM at 5 o'clock Eastern. Enjoy your day. See you tomorrow morning. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.